Hello and welcome to the first parenting podcast from Together for Families, part of Cornwall Council. This week we're going to take a look at the making autism simple, what it's like to have a fussy eater in your home, but first we'll look at the importance of child-led play with Helen, one of our parenting workers. So did you know that 10 minutes child-led play each day can increase positive behaviours in your child? And by replacing questions for describing what they are doing will show your child you are observing, you're interesting and you're fully engaged in their play. And also joining with your child's interests helps them to build their self-esteem and their confidence and show them they are valued. Childhood play is a foundation for increasing positive behaviours in your child. This is a starting point for changing any negative behaviour patterns. Think of this as the foundation of a building. So skipping the foundations of a building will mean that it will become unstable and weak and eventually it will just fall down. Child-led play is as important to build those positive interactions and relationships with you and your child. And when this is reinforced, it provides opportunities to replace negative behaviour patterns by modelling behaviour you want to see more of. Play is the very core of changing behaviours. So what do I mean by child-led play? So child-led play is where you join in with what your child is doing or what they want to do. Most children have an interest or a preferred toy or an activity. And by joining in with their choice of play, you're valuing them, you're interacting with them and you're showing them that you enjoy being with them. And child-led play means you follow your child's lead. So how that play progresses, what involvement they want you to have, but you become completely involved in their world. Consistency is key. So 10 minutes child-led play a day is far more important than, say, two hours on a Saturday. So why? Because children thrive from a predictable and stable environment. So small and frequent will allow your child to feel valued, special and important every day. And this is empowering stuff. Your child will thrive from it. As parents, we sometimes feel we need to be their teacher when playing and we ask lots of questions like, what colour is it? What shape is it? How many are there? What are you making? And although we think it's helpful, it can actually distract your child and frustrate them from what they're actually focusing on. They may not know actually what they're making or what they're drawing because they're experimenting with all the different objects or they're being curious or they're practising out their new skills. It's, imagine you were baking a cake, uh, it was quite a challenging cake for you, and someone asks, what are you making? Why are you making that? And what flavour is it? Before long, you could, you could lose your concentration, and you become frustrated by the questions because you're really trying to focus on the instructions. This is what happens when you ask your child questions. So instead, try describing what they are doing. And think of yourself as a, as a sports commentator. They will describe what the players are doing and they'll comment on the skills. So things you could say are, you have carefully put the bricks together and built a big tower. Or, you are trying really well with that picture. I love the red you've used. Or even, you are really strong lifting that because it's heavy. Well done for giving it a go. We often think these things, but we don't say them out loud. And we often leave children to play quietly so we can get on with other things we've got when we've got busy lives. But these are times you need to comment on their play and show them that you recognise them for doing something well. So think back to the cake making. How would you feel if someone commented on your baking skills or they said how much they love your cooking? Someone recognising your hard work can make you feel really good and valued and will often make you want to do it again. So you will then bake again and again 
And again, bingo. You repeated the behaviour you were recognised for. And this applies to your child and commenting on their behaviours and skills during play. For instance, commenting how well they are sharing their toys will encourage them to do it again. Commenting on how calm they are when they do a tricky task will encourage them to do that again. So my takeaway top tips for child-led play. Remember consistency. 10 minutes child-led play each day. Reduce the amount of questions you ask. Describe what they they are doing is far more effective. Involve yourself in your child's interests. Learn what your child likes to do. Have fun. We don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. Thank you for listening. Goodbye and have fun. That's Helen, one of our parenting workers there, talking about child-led play. Now, children certainly don't come with manuals when they're born, and if you'd like some more information on child development, our Family Hub teams run a variety of free parenting sessions which are available for anyone that needs support or to learn more. For more information, you can go to the Family Information Service on supportingcormel.org.uk or cornwall.gov.uk and search for Together for Families. Autism is a complex, lifelong development disability that typically appears during early childhood and can impact a person's social skills, communication, relationships and self-regulation. Now, Debs is one of our family workers. She explains what it is like living with a child with autism. They can have difficulty in these areas. Communication, social interaction, imagination and flexibility of thought alongside sensory integration difficulties. They may have difficulties in understanding how others think and feel and how that relates to themselves. This is called theory of mind. They also can have challenges in understanding which can include their memory may work by connecting meaning to a single word. They may see detail rather than seeing the bigger whole picture. They may understand lots of individual words, but the meaning is lost. They may have difficulties with social understanding which may include not being able to understand facial expressions and tone of voice, want friends but not know how to develop a relationship, not understand social rules, need rules and routine taught explicitly and unable to see things from another's point of view. They also may have difficulties with social communication which may include difficulty saying what they want, difficulty talking about emotions, not being able to explain things, might find it difficult to ask for things and difficulty following instructions. Three strategies you can use to encourage cooperation are 1. Give clear, positive instructions. By reducing your language, it will make the instruction clear. Always using the language your child will understand, for example, age and stage of development of your child. You need to be clear what you want your child to do, like coat on, walk, sit here, showing them where to sit by hand gesture, e.g. point to the spot you want them to sit on. Always praising them when they achieve the request, making it clear so they understand why you are praising them. For example, well done for putting your coat on, good sitting. Once you have given the instruction... Wait for 30 seconds to give the child time to process, then act on the instruction. This is called take-up time. You may have to do this several times with the 30-second pause each time. Always praise the child once they have completed what you have asked them to do.
Strategy 2. Use a when-then approach which can reduce power struggles. The when is usually the task you'd like your child to do. The then is what your child wants. For example, if you want your child to put on their coat before going outside, you would say, when you have put your coat on, then you are ready to go outside. Again, giving the time for the child to process what you have said and complete the instruction. Try to speak in a calm tone. This strategy is a way to communicate with your children positively. If you need to walk away to help you to create space, be calm and not repeat, then do that. Strategy 3. Using the child's special interest. What is a special interest? This is when an individual can become obsessed or single-minded about an object, subject or special interest. This can be both negative, which would interfere with the quality of life, and positive, be very interesting and knowledgeable about quirky and marvellous subjects. This can be used as a reward for following an instruction. For example, when you have eaten your dinner, then you can watch your Thomas the Tank Engine DVD. Highly focused interests can be used to increase a person's skills. It can promote self-esteem and support socialising. It can also be developed as a child gets older. For example, a special interest in computers could be developed into someone studying or working in IT. It can also be used as a tool for the child to socialise with others. For example, a child who draws a lot, could link. you could link the child to an art club. Special interest can also be used to problem solve. For example, what advice would Batman give Robin about this? Or to explore emotions, for example, how would Batman feel about this? The takeaway top tips from this session are 1. Reduce your language to give clear instructions. 2. Use when-then to avoid power struggles. 3. Use special interests as rewards and problem-solving. Thank you for listening. Goodbye, good luck and have fun. Don't forget, if you want more information on anything discussed in this podcast, you can visit supportincormal.org.uk. Now, let's talk food. It's normal for children to be fussy eaters. That is, not to like the taste, shape, colour or texture of particular foods. It's also normal for children to like something one day but dislike it the next, to refuse new foods and to eat more or less from day to day. Now, Nina is a family support worker for Together for Families and she explains that children may not like the foods the first time they try it. In fact, it may take up to 10 attempts before a child is used to the new food and can decide if they're a fan or not. Can you imagine a spoonful of something you've not smelt, seen or tasted before coming towards you? Personally, I'd be moving my head away cautiously. Thinking of this makes me understand how our children can feel in these situations, which is why I'm a big fan of letting children touch, taste and smell their food on their plate in their own way and at their own time. However, meal times can sometimes feel like a power struggle, which is why today's podcast is all about how to make healthy eating simple and fun. It can be common for children to be fussy. In fact, around 50% of parents and carers identify their child to be a fussy eater. 
and it can be tricky to manage fussy eaters at the best of times, let alone during times when it's more difficult to get to the shops. Our child's favourite food may be unavailable and when concerns about wasted food are particularly important. However, thankfully, there are a few tricks to help healthy eating look like loads of fun for our little fusspots. So let's get started. The first tip is letting children be involved with the menu setting and cooking. Perhaps you could let them choose what meal to have on certain nights of the week or what vegetables to have out of a selection of three or four. Children feel proud if they're allowed to help with the cooking in a safe way. Perhaps they can help you stir or pour or can they set the table? When children help prepare meals, they can feel involved and this raises their self-esteem, helping to increase a positive attitude towards healthy eating. It is important that our children see us role model healthy eating. If they see us enjoying preparing and eating healthy meals, it is more likely they will too. If possible, why not treat meal time as family time, where everyone sits together at the table eating, chatting and spending time together. Making meal times as social time takes the pressure off children who find eating certain foods a challenge. Remove distractions that compete with your desire for your child to focus on eating a healthy meal. If our children are focusing their attention on screens or something similar, they may miss hunger cues. Digestion starts long before food hits the stomach. In fact, the digestion process starts when we think about food and use our senses, including smell, taste and touch. For some, eating whilst involved in other activities can result in slow digestion, overeating, undereating and tummy aches. Distractions are not always screens or toys. They could be in the form of more unhealthy food that your child would prefer to eat instead of a healthy meal. The motto I like to remember is out of sight, out of mind. If your child can't see the unhealthy food and doesn't know what's in their house, they'll be more likely to give healthy food a chance. Encouragement, praise and rewards are positive parenting strategies that help encourage our child to eat healthy. For example, you tried a new vegetable last week and now you love it. Let's see if we can find another one you like today. Or, when you've eaten your lunch, then you can choose a pudding. And remember, try to ensure your child is able to achieve what you're asking them to do. This is where portion size is important and making sure it's not too big. Also, make sure there are things in each meal that you know your child likes. Try to consider what food your child does like. If your child really hates a certain vegetable after they've given it a good chance, you may need to avoid including it in their meals. However, it is important to remember that your child's taste buds are changing all of the time, so don't give up too soon offering them a variety of food. If they don't like broccoli today, for example, they may like it tomorrow or next week. If your child doesn't like food touching, you can ensure it is separated on their plate for them, or tell them they can move it round on their plate themselves. In fact, allowing children to actually play with their food can increase the likelihood they'll agree to try new things. If your child is not eating a lot of snacks between meals and they are not losing weight, 
Respect your child if they say they are full. Focusing on children finishing everything on their plate or taking a certain amount of bite could lead to them developing an unhealthy relationship with food. The fifth tip is making healthy eating extra fun through playing games. You can get the whole family involved in creating picture scenes with foods. For example, trees out of broccoli and the sun out of sliced cheese. Or why not play a game where you have to eat all the colours of the rainbow every day? Every evening, ask your children to share what they've eaten for each colour. For example, purple grapes and red tomato. Grow herbs in the garden or on the windowsills and experiment with adding these flavours to meals. Inspire the whole family by watching kid-friendly foodie shows on YouTube. And my personal favourite is playing a game where each person has to have a turn being blindfolded and guessing what food the others have chosen for them to eat out of four or five they've already chosen themselves. All of these fun activities and games helps your children develop a healthy view of a large range of foods. So, there you have it. Some tips on how to tackle fussy eaters and help our children enjoy eating a wholesome, balanced diet. To finish off, I'll leave you with today's takeaway gem, which is making a game out of seeing who can eat all the colours of the rainbow every day. My favourites are strawberries for red, bananas for yellow, peaches for pink, blueberries for blue, plums for purple, carrots for orange and grapes for green. Thank you for listening. Goodbye, good luck and have fun. That's Nina there talking about fussy eaters. If you need support with this or any of the other subjects we've covered this week on our podcast, then please do get in touch. You can find lots of information online on the Family Information Service. That's supportingcornwall.org.uk or go to cornwall.gov.uk and search for Together for Families. You can also follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for at TFF Cornwall. Thanks for listening and we'll have another podcast on Friday the 17th of July. Take care and have fun. Music.